0: Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're excited to present a conversation with director Pietro Marcello about his latest feature, the NYFF 60 main slate selection, Scarlet, opening in our theaters on June 9th, preceded by a special one-night-only screening of his previous feature, Martin Eden, on June 8th. Tickets are on sale now at filmlink.org scarlet. Marcello, one of contemporary cinema's most versatile talents, follows his dramatic breakthrough, Martin Eden, with an enchanting period fable based on a beloved 1923 novel by Russian writer Alexander Grin. The film begins as the tale of a sensitive brute who returns home from World War I to his rural French village to discover that his wife has died and he must take care of their baby daughter Juliet then blossoms into a pastoral portrait of Juliet as a free-spirited young woman reckoning with a local witch's prophecy for her future, and falling for the modern man, who literally drops from the sky. In his first film made in France, Marcello proves again that he is as comfortable in the realm of folklore as he is in creative nonfiction, delicately interweaving realist drama, ethereal romance, and musical flights of fancy. In addition to Pietro Marcello, we'll also be highlighting another accomplished Italian filmmaker this June. Film at Lincoln Center and Cinecita are thrilled to present Marco Ferreri, Beyond the Absurd, a retrospective of the Italian filmmaker's work running from June 9th through June 22nd, with many films presented on 35mm. A cine provocateur of the highest order, Ferreri developed a filmography that is one of the most eclectic and surprising in all of Italian cinema, composed largely of black-as-night social satires and uncannily affecting dramas. View the entire lineup and get tickets at filmlink.org slash F-E-R-R-E-R-I. And don't forget... Scarlet opens in our theaters on June 9th. Now please enjoy the conversation between Pietro Marcello and NYFF Selection Committee member Florence Amozini.
1: I'm going to ask a few questions to Pietro first, and then we can open it up to the audience. So in watching this uh, new film of yours, uh, I saw a lot of similarity with, a lot of, with your previous work, but it's also a much more... Um, gentle and nearly like a more feminine aspect to to the film. with some darkness and some violence obviously, but overall there's a uh, sort of gentleness that we would associate with feminine quality. So can you talk a little bit to start about what attracted you to film in that in that way? Um, you know, compared let's say Martin Eden, what's much more masculine, um, and to continue in that.
2: Thanks for, for to be here. Uh, I have my angel with me because it's complicated for me to explain this about my, my cinema cinema. I need to be supported by him. I prefer to, to speak Italian. And then... Um, <laughs> anyway. It's a un film. It's a un film because, let's
3: you know, it, you're, you're right. It is a kind of a feminine film. It was sort of it's based upon a novella by Alexander Green. Um, and you know, after making the film uh, Martin Eden, I really didn't feel like a great need to, to make a film again. And I came across this novella and is immediately filled with this desire to transpose it to the screen.
2: Nella storia di Alexander Green c'è questo principe azzurro che arriva e che porta via questa ragazza, ma nessuno ci crede più allo principe azzurro in quel caso ho pensato a quel film di e Fer- di Ferreri Ciao Maschio no che è un po' eh, che la donna in questo momento storico sa dove dove mettersi gli uomini non sanno dove stare in un certo senso la figura di garrella e di questo principe azzurro un po' decaduto perché in fondo Juliette eh, sceglie le donne e non va con lui
3: um, and you know the story of uh, the, the original story about and it. the Green, it's kind of a story of uh, what we would call a Prince Charming, you know, who comes upon a, a girl and rescues her. Uh, but in this case, you know, for, for the Prince Charming, uh, we have uh, Louis Garel, who uh, is his, himself the one who falls, and uh, Juliet doesn't fall for him. She chooses someone else. Nel senso
2: che Juliet non ha bisogno di... Giulietta non ha bisogno di Jeanne.
3: In, in our case, um, you know Juliette doesn't need Jean. you know um, uh, she can sink back into her sort of feminine environment and uh, leave uh, poor Jean alone. Uh, whereas in the original story, um, the the man, uh, the mass is kind of a pirate who takes uh, Juliette away. and that's certainly uh, something that we uh, did more than that we transposed. Yeah.
1: Uh, there's also something else that's very important in your work. It's um, the sense of community that you show in films. So there's a very small anchor community, which is like a family. Uh, it doesn't have to be a biological family. It just who is around uh, uh, the main character. And then you have a sort of larger sense of uh, the village and the other people and people who can be, Against you, and it's something that we find often in your work. So I would say that obviously it's important for you to represent community as some, a safe place, someone that let you grow, someone that lets you be yourself, and find the freedom that you need to, to have, to to grow. Uh, and I would like you to talk a little bit about that.
2: Per me, un film molto moderno, profondamente moderno. Io credo nella famiglia Largata. Credo nella comunità, è e in un certo senso questo film.
3: È un film che è molto moderno in modo che rappresenta uh, non la famiglia, ma l'enlarged family, la comunità che è creata su di lei. È una storia molto simile di un padre che ha tutte le opere. Often the case in a, in a modern a family has to take care of the chil- of the chi- of the children, but this is a, a larger family uh, made up of people that have been excluded by society. Uh, we see that Raphael himself comes back to the village but is never really accepted into it and then, in seeing um, you know, Naomi, the character played by Naomi, uh, she also did, you know ends up taking care of this child who is not hers. And I think this is also a sort of sense of of what the future is. The future is this type of enlarged family.
1: Since you're talking about this specific family, um, can you talk about the casting of the film? Um, Obviously, Juliette Jouan, it's the first role. It's the first time she plays. Raphael Thierry, who plays the father, has done some role, but he's mostly known as a visual artist in in France. Uh, Noemi Lovsky is... uh, Sort of well known comedian, Vigarel also. Um, but can you talk about casting uh, specifically
3: this, this family in your film?
2: Yes, uh, you know, I,
3: I found myself in France. Uh, I was in France for a couple of years uh, for family reasons. And during um, a terrible period of the pandemic, you know, which is and during you know, really the most dramatic period of all, uh, when we had to operate on a kind of wartime economy. And at the time, initially, I didn't know French uh, or the French uh, system of producing movies. And I had many privileges in making this film. The, the biggest privilege of all was, was in the actors um, that I was uh, able to work with. Uh, Juliet was someone who we found through an open call, a kind of wild casting. Uh, more than 1,000 uh, women uh, applied, you know, uh, audition for the part. And we immediately recognized her as just the right person to uh, embody uh, this character. And her name is also Juliette by chance. Um, At the time, she was 19. Today, she's 21. And she played a musical instrument she sang. And uh, she was perfect for the part. And I hope that uh, she will continue in her career. Uh, Raphael Thierry, I, I needed, for this character, I needed someone who would sort of personify Geppetto, you know, Geppetto from uh, Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, he was one of the uh, last actors to audition for the part, but within five minutes, uh, I knew that he was right for the, the, for the male lead. Uh, Noemi Lovoski, she was great for this part of the you know, woman uh, there running the factory um, and uh, being a, a little bit of a witch herself.
1: Uh, there's also something that you continue doing, which is to, despite working in France in a French production, it's to work on, on film, to shoot on film, uh, with a lot of natural location and natural light, I believe. So, do you think it's still possible to continue working in the style you like to work, even in, in a French production? Was, did that create difficulty, but... Or is it something that you must do? That's the way you work, and no matter what the production will say, you continue working on film. Allora,
2: io credo che tra l'Italia e la Francia c'è una continuità territoriale, anche culturalmente, un cinema molto.
3: Well, um, you know, I just see a great uh, territorial and cultural continuity between Italy and France. You know, I think um, our it, our cinematic cultures are, are very much uh, mixed together you know i think of, of you know f- i'm a great europeanist i believe in the sort of greater europe and uh, you know i could be in uh paris like i could be in london i could s- i see you know maybe paris is sort of like the city next door but without the lemons um you know um <laughs> this was a kind of a transitional film for me you know and it's a film dedicated uh, to my daughter um and it's dedicated to really the daughters of the world um it's more sense, it's the great love uh, that I have for my daughter, the great love we have for our daughters. And Raphael is the epitome, really, of the modern father, the father who is playing a greater parental role uh, in caring for the daughter, in returning from the war, finding this daughter that he did not expect to find um it's a transitional film also in the time that i was able to make it i had only one it was only one and a half years from the writing of the film to the shooting of the film to the editing of the film and normally this is a process that takes place over a much longer period of time um you know i i did fil- do it on film um i have nothing against digital but i do prefer uh, working on film um but you know i've even worked with expired film uh you know I, because I'm just a real a lover of, of film and I'm a real, real believer in the whole development process. You know, I'm coming also from a photographic background.
1: You're an artisan of uh, pellicule. <laughs> uh, we have time for one or two questions, so if you want to raise your hand, we'll try to point at you, and it's out with the lights, but I think there's someone waving here. So, yes, sir, with the great jacket. Uh, yes, you.
2: Allora, le musiche, innanzitutto le musiche sono composte da Gabriele Iared, che è un grandissimo compositore. Per me è stata la... uh,
3: well, uh, first of all, the, the music was composed uh, by Gabriele Iared. And this was the first time that I had worked with a, a composer directly on the film. Um, and he worked very closely with me from the very beginning of the film until the end. Uh, some of the texts uh, that we use, uh, we wrote and others were based upon the poetry of Louis Michel, um and then the uh, final ultima was, I, I was by rondel
1: so uh, what um can you talk about how you incorporated the music when you were writing the scripts or that came after or oh,
2: no, no, it was no no, era okay. Uh,
3: no, it wasn't written into the screenplay. I think that the screen screenwriting itself is a very incomplete process, you know, which then continues into the transposition to film itself. And I keep on writing and screenwriting into the editing process.
1: Unfortunately, we have to wrap up for for today. But thank you so much for being here.